0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Big Ten Hoops Weekly, uh, presented by Brew Bags Coffee. I'm Brett. I'm here with Steve. Uh, Steve, how are you doing on this fine Monday morning?
1: You know, after we teased our Fire That Guy segment last week, I am very unhappy to report that every single coach that we listed as a potential Fire That Guy candidate won in this past week. So. I don't think we'll be firing anybody today. I don't think today, but
0: I think I think there's still one or two candidates that are looking pretty ripe for a firing uh maybe maybe after the season, but um I do think that we do need to hold off for a little bit. Um and before we kind of dig into the recap just uh you know, want to let everyone know that if you guys have any questions or comments as we kind of head down the uh, stretch the you know the stretch of the season uh, heading towards March the tournament uh, if you guys ever have any questions comments you can send them to us uh, at uh, big 10 hoops weekly at gmail.com that's one zero for the 10 uh, and we would really appreciate it if you guys would uh, subscribe like follow whatever works on your podcast platform of choice Um, so thank you in advance for that with that said um, you know there was a little bit of a shuffle during this week um there are you know the the delineations are not really becoming any clearer for who is going to get a you know a double buy in the in the tournament kind of that all-important two days off before diving back in but there were some teams that made some big moves this week so uh northwestern had two home games this week and was able to pull out wins against Nebraska and a, a game Penn State team that had won three games in a row, uh, two of them on the road. So, you know, they were able to kind of keep keep those, you know, middle of the pack teams at bay and, you know, kind of show try to keep showing that they belong in that double by conversation. Um, However, it was not without uh, kind of an issue as Ty Berry did not play on Sunday with an injury. And so that's obviously something to monitor as Northwestern really relies on its guards to, uh, you know, be, be effective, especially on the offensive end. But they were still able to get uh, just over a point per possession versus Penn State. Steve, what are you seeing out of, you know, the Wildcats? And, um, you know, it, it looks like they're really starting to kind of be able to figure things out and grind out some of these tough wins.
1: Right. Well, and I, I think the only – Point that I might disagree with you on is that, is your use of the word starting to. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a continuation of the trends that we've seen with them all year. Um, you know, they have probably one of the five to eight best players in the conference, uh, and they ride that guy to make big shots late in games, and um, particularly at home, where they have uh, made themselves a very very difficult out. Um, they, you know, were able to behind Boo Bowie um, in, in both games in in, in, diff- in in different ways in each games, but they were able to kind of ride him to victory. They were able to continue to dominate defensively um, specifically against a Nebraska team that, I mean, we've talked a lot about how that team's Jekyll and Hyde when it comes to home versus road. And this week was um, no different. I thought their effort against Nebraska this week, particularly coming out with, with no nonsense, shooting the lights out and, Uh, Nebraska uh, and again I don't know how many of our listeners you know watch a ton of Nebraska but you know they're they're doing this thing where like sometimes they play three big guys at the same time to try to get an advantage on the glass and uh, Northwestern did not allow that to happen they out rebounded them by think over 10 rebounds in the game against uh, Nebraska and they you know won the turnover battle by a lot in that game too so um, in a weird turn of events from the last couple of years with northwestern i mean we just we keep talking about them being a disciplined team being a really tough out at home um you know they don't turn the ball over a lot um and they don't take it they don't take a ton of risks defensively to put themselves in bad positions they're just as solid as it gets and uh i think it was really really important for them to avoid a letdown this week especially after the ty berry news there you know depth is going to be an issue for them at you know at guard so long as he's out but for now they survive another week they're still in a really good position in terms of double buy. the only thing admittedly that I think really is a problem for them is just they have that Chicago State loss sort of hanging over their heads and it's you know really suppressing their computer metrics which I think make Northwestern fans a little bit nervous when it comes to just where they stand on the bubble. Yeah, I think um, you know they've
0: obviously had to do some shuffling, and and Tyberry's injury is is a knee injury, so you know that's obviously not great news. But they were able to move Nick Martinelli into the the starting lineup, and he he gave them uh, you know an eleven and eight performance, which is really all you can ask uh, in 36 minutes. Um, and they were able to, you know, I think I think a big, you know, you mentioned how they're really good at take, they're still really good at taking care of the ball for the most part. Uh, only six turnovers against a, a Penn State defense that really thrives on forcing a lot is is huge and and really kept them in the game.
1: Um, you know, despite Boo having a little bit of an off night. Hey, just one like other point. I mean, and again, just looking at the numbers for this Penn State game. I mean, Northwestern won this game. Despite shooting 32% from the field and you know only 38% from three, so you know we're at the point in our lives where we can say, like you, you're gonna need to do something ridiculous to beat Northwestern at home if you're a road team, just because you know even when their like effort was that poor on offense. You know, they won the rebounding battle. They won the turnover battle. You know, they still moved the ball around a lot and were able to grind out a win against a team that's been a tough out of late. Uh, like, th- it just really speaks to just culture from a cultural perspective and toughness perspective where this program's at right now. Absolutely agreed.
0: Speaking of teams that are usually built on uh, toughness and and things of that nature, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. feel like we haven't talked about them in... Uh, quite some time probably for pretty good reason but an impressive two win week Uh, going to Maryland and then throttling Wisconsin at home uh, or winning at Maryland I should say um, not they didn't just go there Um, but so I think I think an, a thing that we didn't really talk about is the a thing that we didn't really talk about when we've talked about Rutgers is the fact that they were uh really just missing one of you know, I think a a transfer uh, that was just granted eligibility in Jeremiah Williams. And, um, you know, he was a a Temple transfer um, that was sitting out, uh, had some issues with the NCAA, um, and hadn't made an appearance until February 3rd against Michigan. Uh, He scored double figures every game and has really kind of been a good you know, a, a good guy to handle the ball and kind of initiate the offense, which we've harped on Rutgers inability to score the ball a lot this year, but he has really been able to get in the lane and make things happen and draw defenders. And, you know, I, this Rutgers team obviously has their issues offensively, but when they're, when they're able to actually have a guard who can break down the defense and um, you know, create opportunities for others, whether that's uh, Amori or Andre Hyatt, you know, this, this team changes fundamentally. And, they especially in that Wisconsin game, they were really able to just get after Wisconsin from the get go, forcing 12 turnovers, and they shot 10 of 17 from three. Um, that's a lot better. They were led by Noah Fernandez, a season-long 29% three-point shooter, who went five for five from three, and really kind of ex- extinguished any hope that the Badgers had at mounting a comeback. You know, I, Rutgers has 10 losses; they're five and seven in conference, but their remaining schedule isn't super terrible uh I mean is there is there are we still are we still needing to talk about them as a you know potential bubble team
1: at this point in the season I I think the answer is still yes I mean at I think they're 86th in the net you know it's an uphill battle but I mean no no more prime opportunity than this week to like pick up a win over a team that's in front of you in Northwestern. And and they've also got Minnesota coming up this week too, who's a team in a similar net position. So we haven't talked about this as much on this podcast, but I think the the national sort of view on the big 10 with the way things have played out this year is that it's, you know, not a super strong conference. So um, it's not like they, you know, it's not like they can benefit from getting like quad one wins every time they, they play like you maybe can in some other conferences, but with actually the way their schedule shapes out, I would actually say the schedule probably leans tougher than average, just like they've got road games against Purdue, Nebraska, um, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Like th- th- there's, there's opportunities on here to pick up wins. If I think if that's sort of the, the tone of your question. And so I still think we have to, you know, and especially with their output in the last, three games you know in particular with two of those wins coming on the road you you covered the wisconsin game pretty well but they also got a, a gritty win in college park earlier this week too and that came off the heels of a win in ann arbor last week um and i, I mean I, I don't know that the formula is any more simple than this but like they're combining their night in night out really big you know really really strong you know defensive consistency that you know you can count on them for with just being slightly better than you know an atomic brick brickfest on on offense and it's it's proving to be just enough.
0: Yeah. I mean I, I will say they the 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 addition of Williams again really is uh you know really is something um He's just kind of changed the dynamic of their offense, so that's something to monitor as well, and I, I guess a, qu- a quick aside on the team they beat on Saturday. Wisconsin has now lost four in a row, including a, a kind of puzzling loss to Michigan uh, on Wednesday. Um you know, the, the Badgers are searching for answers offensively. They've only shot over 30 percent from three in one of their last uh, one of those four games. And that was the Nebraska loss where they blew a 19 point lead. You know, they're, they're having some issues defensively as well. They they couldn't really stay in front of Doug McDaniel on Wednesday. J- Jeremiah, the aforementioned Jeremiah Williams was really kind of getting into the lane and initiating offense. Um, sometimes you throw up your hands at Noah Fernandez shooting five for five from three. But that was far from their only issue. Um, but yeah, this this team really needs to start figuring it out. Um You know they have it. They clearly have it in them based on their earlier on their earlier um, results from the season. But you know Steve Crowell has really been stymied offensively for the last few games, and that has thrown kind of a wrench into how the Badgers operate offensively. But you know teams definitely can slump kind of in the dog days of the season, and there's there's reason to think that they can they can still you know get back on track.
1: Yeah. And it's not just, you know, one, one guy, I think with Wisconsin, you know, Chucky Hepburn, I think his, you know, this might be a little bit harsh, but I, you know, I think he's been his production this year has been a little bit of a disappointment just in terms of, you know, just in terms of how he started off his career and how he's kind of plateauing a little bit. I think, um, yeah, I expected a little bit more um, out of him. I expected to be kind of a contender for first-team all-point guard, and he's, you know, clearly not that. I think A.J. Storr's production has has dipped a little bit. And, you know, Tyler Wall, he, he you know, you just – you you never know what type of performance you're going to get from him game in and game out. And so, you know, I I, I think – when Wisconsin's operating well, they're not dependent on one guy to carry the load. And they, they've got everyone you know, operating really efficiently um, and uh, sort of picking their spots and uh, moving the ball around. And it just it hasn't seemed like that's, that's been the case for them. But I think you know, the thing you have to keep in mind just when you keep them in context is, um, you know, they got out to a, uh, an unexpectedly strong start in conference play you know, and in non-conference play too, that gave them, you know, a a buffer to allow for something like this to happen this year. You know, they're still a top 25 net team. Uh, they'll still probably be ranked in the top 25 even with these, these two losses, or, or maybe they won't. But, uh, you know, the schedule eases up a little bit, at least in the next four games before it gets a little bit tougher um, in the last couple of weeks in the season. I agree with you. I think this is a, this is part of the ups and downs of the season, but I also think that like if they can't get themselves right this next week, then the alarm bells should start to go off. Agree. And and you
0: know as injuries have affected every team, there the Badgers are no exception. Uh, they've they're they're down two of their their depth guards in uh, Kamari McGee, who's more of a defensive oriented guy, and John Blackwell, the kind of do all do everything freshman. So now that that's an excuse for losing to Rutgers by 22 points, but. Um, you know, I think they're leaning on Hepburn as you kind of mentioned a lot uh and, hope, and you know you're kind of worrying about him getting worn down a little bit as the season goes on but yeah, big big week for Wisconsin ahead as we will get to um and we've actually made it pretty far I think almost 15 minutes without talking about Purdue somehow um who just kept the train uh kept the train rolling this past week with. Uh, just one game, but it was a total domination of Indiana, um, 20 point win, which is, I think kind of what we had called on, uh, uh, on the show last week. So we can pat ourselves on the back a little bit there, but what almost one, one, one point one, five points per possession and only shooting 30, only, only somehow, uh, shooting 38% from three, uh, including Zach Eady making his first career three. So, uh, kudos all around. I will say the free throw numbers are a little, alarming but you know besides that they're they're doing they're doing Purdue things and they increased their lead uh at the top of the conference and they currently stand two games clear of or two and a half games clear of Illinois um so we might we might be able to call this conference ter- conference race a little early and then they were also in, able to increase that lead because Illinois dropped a game, uh, their only game of the week to Michigan State losing at Breslin uh, Mich- and Michigan State definitely needed that after they had lost to Minnesota on the road. You know, their their offense really was able to kind of get going against a, a stingy Illinois team for sure. Uh, they were one point two six points per possession led by 23 points for uh, A.J. Huggard, who got to the line basically at will. And I think I I'm pretty sure, you know, I, this this does not make me worry about Illinois at all. Um, you know, they're they're still a team uh in a, a tough road environment. Uh even though they did blow an 8 point lead with about 6 minutes left. Steve, any takeaways from from either of those teams for that uh that game?
1: I I think this game's more about Michigan State than it is about Illinois. I mean, it just in in watching this game down the stretch it, it it's funny, right, because Michigan State's been an afterthought, both on this podcast and just, you know, nationally for, for most of the season, mainly due to their slow start, but also due to their relatively inconsistent play, you know, in, in conference. And it, in in the last 10 minutes of this game, I think we saw what what Michigan State could be um, in, in terms of their ceiling. And, you know, A.J. Hagard absolutely took over. This game down the stretch, both on offense and on defense, um you know, and you can you can tell that. I mean, they basically had three guys score 20 points with you know Hogard with 23, Hall with 22, and then Tyson Walker had 19. You know, th- this is Michigan State's like ceiling in a way. It was a raucous, raucous environment. I think we called this as potential game of the week, you know, in the conference, and there were some weird wacky games all throughout this week. I we haven't even gotten to yet, but I, I think this one definitely like lived up to the building the, the billing, I will admit Illinois sort of been able to avoid like the wacky, like WTF end of game stuff from like Underwood for most of the year this year. And I think this, this was one where it, it kind of came back. I mean, you know, th- there was one play where I think um, I forgot if it was, I think it was Domas like literally got, an entry pass to the post like stolen with two minutes left and you know, they were just you know Coleman Hawkins had a Coleman Hawkins like terrible turnover down the stretch they were just like Illinois seemed to revert a little bit to the sort of Illinois of the past couple of years with perplexing last minute stuff and I think if you're an Illinois fan that's a little bit of like something you want to worry about but I think at the end of the day going to Michigan State playing in this environment it's like sort of playing at top 25 team even though that's not like michigan state's resume says there are this year and so i wouldn't like i think you can put this one away and and just keep chugging along if you're illinois and you'll be you'll be fine for a double by the rest of the the way
0: yeah and uh to, to that point uh you know terrence shannon with 28 points uh got to the line 13 times um you know even just keeping you know rounding into form it is very funny to me that Michigan state can win these games with so little input from their big guys there. They're Sissoko Cooper and Cole are combined for seven points and not even, I think they combined for uh, 11 rebounds between the three of them, which is just kind of wild. And as we've mentioned, it's, it's something to monitor uh, based on their, their opponent, but yeah, um, good win for Michigan state keeping themselves, I believe solidly in like, the last bracket matrix had them as a, uh, low nine, like a lower ninth seed. Um, but that was bef- updated before I believe that game happened. So, um, you know, I think they're, they're definitely off the bubble for now. Um, but with, with room to improve their position for sure. Um, okay. A couple other quick hitters, uh, from the week at large. Um, we had talked about Maryland getting a little bit of momentum back with a, a two win week that, was uh, stymied definitely uh, this week uh, that we mentioned the loss to Rutgers at home. um, But they went on the road to Ohio state uh, on Saturday and lost in double overtime. It's really kind of the, the Jameer young and friends show with occasional appearances by Julian Reese, but it's, it's, it's not really, it's not really working. Um, This, this season is definitely kind of off the tracks. Um, Ohio state, nice little bounce back win, big win or big performance from Bruce Thornton with 24 points and Roddy Gale with 17 uh, might have quelled some of the fire Holtman issues, but um, you know, they're still 14 and 10 and four and nine in conference. Um, And then Iowa had a huge 18 point comeback uh, over Minnesota, you know, kept the Hawkeyes, you know, uh, alive still in the tournament bid and Kind of dealt a crushing blow to Minnesota that had won three games in a row and was looking to kind of continue that momentum. Iowa keeps scoring points and uh, you know they they really had to, to to fight like hell to get this one, but uh, big performance from big performances from Peyton Sanford and Patrick McCaffrey with twenty-one apiece. Uh, and also got double figure contributions from Tony Perkins and Owen Freeman. And yeah, Owen Freeman with 17 and 14 is is really going to be a force to be reckoned with in the next few years, but is already making a, a good name for himself here. Uh, any thoughts on either of those teams before we dive into the preview?
1: I, I think I mean this Iowa Minnesota game will, will end up being a pretty like pivotal bubble influencing game. Yeah, you know, just when we I think when we look back even at this season, even, even like on selection Sunday. I mean, like Minnesota, we talked about, we kind of, we kind of chuckled at them last week, you know, even after their, their good week last week, still uh, just because of how awful their non-conference schedule was, you know, and, and like, I can't blame them for scheduling the way they scheduled just because like they needed, they needed to build confidence going into this year with just, all the turnover that they've had on their team and just like trying to get momentum under Ben John. So you, you like cannot blame them for doing that in hindsight, but you know, that when it comes to just like their bubble candidacy and their resume, their non-conference schedule is not helping them. And, you know, they were going to continue to need to like pile up wins. And this, this one against Iowa was winnable. They had it there, you know, as we talked about, they blew the 18 point lead. I mean, uh, they're, they're still in the mid eighties in the net. So like they've made work from they've done work from where they were last week, but I think had Iowa lost this game, they, they probably would have tumbled a little bit and we, we probably would have, Iowa. I don't know that they're still on the, like they still got some work to do too, but this would have been a huge blow to, you know, their tournament candidacy. And I think would have, this would have um, been another reason why Minnesota would have had even more momentum, Um, towards, like, a a puncher's chance at a bid. Um, I don't know that this completely, like, eliminates Minnesota by any means, but it makes the hill even bigger. And, I mean, the funny thing when you look at the Big Ten, I mean, I feel like your outlook on this conference as a whole can kind of ebb and flow um, with each day. But, like, I think right now there's, you know, there's there's probably – Six teams in solid position for a bid it, it bin in Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan State, Nebraska, Northwestern. Uh, but, like, Iowa's was hanging around there at 65 in the net. Even Ohio State's at 70. Ma- Maryland's probably off for now, you know, at 81. Minnesota's at 85. Rutgers at 86. I'm not – I don't know that any of the, those, like, five teams that I just mentioned – like, definitely all of them are not going to get in. But there's a world where if things – like play out right maybe even like three of those five get in two and like we're looking at a at like a a conference that like has legitimate tournament presence Um, that's what i think we're going to probably keep most tabs on the rest of the way on this podcast to see if any of these teams that are sort of like on the outside looking in can put together winning streaks and get wins over teams that are for sure in so that they can claw their way back onto the bubble
0: yeah, not to not to sound like a, a you know, uh, a, anyone that's like a doomsayer or anything like that. But, you know, and then this bracket matrix is obviously not the end all be all, but it is the the best aggregation source that I can find, at least. And it was updated Saturday. But that, Nebraska was the last Big Ten team in at a, at the last 10 seed. And Iowa and Minnesota weren't even showing up on brackets uh, in any bracket. So I think there's a little bit longer of a hill to climb, uh, maybe. But you know, winning, winning cures. All right. Like a lot can change each team. I mean, these teams still have six to seven, maybe eight conference games left, uh, plus the conference tournament to, to make, uh, to, to make a run. So, um, I mean, I, I think,
1: I think my point is like Iowa, you know, I always got two, you know, I was at Maryland and home against Wisconsin this week. If they win both of those, like they're going to be a top 60 net team, you know, they'll start showing up on brackets. I think to the same point, like Maryland's got two home games this week at, you know, home against Iowa, home against Illinois. If they win both of those, they'll have, you know, they, they may not show up yet, but they will be, they will be a little bit closer. I mean Minnesota heads to Purdue this week, right? Like if they win that game, their nets gonna vault. So like we're not at a point where we can write anyone off yet, is all I'm saying. That's that's fair.
0: That's fair. Um definitely I mean, like I said, a lot of game left. Uh there's there's gonna be movement for sure, because I think if we if we know one thing about this conference, it's that nothing, maybe with the exception of Purdue's lead, is is safe right now. And before we get into that weekly preview, I would just like to thank uh, Brewbag's Coffee Company again for sponsoring this podcast. Um, and would like to let you know that you can rediscover your ritual with Brew Bags Coffee Company and their single-serving flavored cold brew pouches. So whether you're looking for an easy way to make great cold brew, uh, you're looking to save time in your busy morning, or you want to have coffee your way while on the road, Brew Bags are so easy you can brew them in your sleep, and they are so delicious that you will want to wake up. Uh, you can still enjoy free shipping on your first order as well as get 10% off that first order by using code LAUNCH10, that's launch one Uh, to take 10% off your first order. Thank you again to Brew Bags. All right. It seems like we have fewer games this week. Uh, So it just, there's not the like six game Saturday or anything like that, but we will, we will get to that in a second. Um, So I will lead us off. Uh, Tuesday has, you know, two games that on paper shouldn't be quite as interesting as they uh, could be. But, um, you know, teams have a penchant for making things weird in this conference. So uh, the first game is the, Doug McDaniel lists Michigan Wolverines heading to Champaign. You know, they, they obviously were able to put together a solid win against Wisconsin last week uh, before getting blown out by Nebraska. But, you know, I, I don't really see a way where they're able to stop at Illinois at all, uh, especially out in transition without Doug McDaniel. Um, you know, they're still gonna be looking for an initiator on offense. Um and, the, the athleticism and size of, you know, kind of everyone on that team on Illinois is going to should give Michigan fits offensively, um, you know, maybe with the exception of Terrace Reed. But I could see danger getting a couple extra minutes there to kind of slow him down a little bit. Um, you know, Terrence, the, the Illini are still looking to run. Um, and Michigan's really only hope is to kind of do what they did against Wisconsin and just hit a bunch of threes. Um, so if they can do that, then obviously they're in this game. But if if they're not kind of on fire from three and building confidence offensively immediately, Um, I think Illinois is going to, uh, you know, run away with this game. Um, Then in a game that's way more interesting than it probably should be, um, Wisconsin hosts Ohio state. Uh, The Badgers desperately, desperately, desperately need to get back on track um, offensively. And, you know, Ohio state's defense might be an answer, but again, they can't let like they did against, against Michigan and Rutgers. They can't let Ohio state build confidence offensively early. They need key defensive stops, you know, in the first five minutes, um, and they need to stop, Wisconsin needs to stop with their just horrible turnovers over the last few weeks. Um, and just keep playing clean basketball and, and get good looks and, and the looks will start falling likely. Um, you know, and there, there's obviously a lot to contain in Bruce Thornton, Roddy Gale and Jameson battle, but the Badgers were able to do it on the road, uh, earlier this season in an 11 point win. Um, and so, you know, you think that especially if John Blackwell can make it back for the game, um, they should be in decent shape to win that one
1: all right and then as we head to wednesday first game wednesday michigan state heads to state college take on penn state so one thing that i'd continue to keep your eyes on um in this game is is kanye clary's health um you know he returned in in short minutes um in in his two games this week but yeah, I don't I don't necessarily know what the prognosis is there, but I think if, if he's not fully able to contribute it the way that he's contributing, this is a prime opportunity for Michigan State to, you know, go in and finally start to do their ISO thing that they do around this time of year every year. Like we talked about, they're arguably coming off their best game of the season and their win against Illinois over the weekend. Um, I think is a prime opportunity to continue to build momentum um, and 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 get a road win even though Penn State's proven to be a really, really tough out um, as they've rounded into form in sort of the second half of their season this year. Um, And and then the second game, Iowa heads to Maryland. I mean, um, just like we talked about a couple minutes ago, this is, you know, this is a really, really important bubble game. Um, Iowa has been perplexingly inconsistent. You never know when you're going to get the run and gun um, team that, um, just looks uh, looks like they'll never miss. Um, but sometimes that team disappears for long stretches um, and they, they, you know, they take on an equally inconsistent Maryland that's coming off a two loss week um, including a home loss to Rutgers last week where they were very, very ineffective offensively. Um, Matchup for the bigs will be fun um, with, you know, Owen Freeman who's been playing really, really well, um, taking on Julian Reese, kind of a, a contrast in styles there. Um, the the Jameer Young, um, Tony Perkins matchup will also be super super fun too. Um, I, I, I think two two very different guards in a way, but um, a, a lot of fun one on one matches to look at at this one. You know, with with big bubble implications. I think Maryland needs this one more than Iowa does for their candidacy, but both need it a lot. So looking forward to that one on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> on to Thursday. Um, Northwestern heads to the rack, which still very tough place to play. Um, and I, I'm looking forward to the point guard matchup in this one, you know, Jeremiah Williams, obviously talked a lot about him today, going up against Bowie, um, and Northwestern against, uh, that elite Rutgers defense, which is now, now second in the country. Um, so that's, you know, they force a lot of turnovers and Northwestern does not turn the ball over. So kind of whoever controls that end of the court when Northwestern has the ball will have a decided advantage, um, you know I'm looking to see if, if Rutgers can kind of keep keep hitting their threes uh, and, and carry over some of that momentum from the Wisconsin game um so I you know I it's a game Northwestern can win but you know Rutgers knows Rutgers is playing with some urgency now and I think that they're able to sneak away with a win in this one um also intrigued to see how you know Collins's lineup in it changes with with a dominant big man in Amori uh, in the post so I'm wondering if we'll see more of, you know, Nicholson and hunger um, and kind of what implications that have has offensively for Northwestern because they are not really threats to score. Um, and then, as you had mentioned earlier, Minnesota heads to West Lafayette. Um, I'm not really sure how they're going to guard Zach Edie. Um, You know, Dawson Garcia has some size, but um, hasn't really shown that he's uh, that adept on the defensive end. Um, you know, the Gophers can score it. Um, you know, Mike Mitchell and Elijah Hawkins can kind of lead an interesting attack. And Cam Christie has been playing uh, very well recently, especially for a freshman and, and kind of avoided the freshman wall so far. Um, but, you know, these are games that that Smith and Lawyer and, and Lance Jones are made for. So I think that they're going to be able to operate effectively in the mid range should, should Minnesota sell out to stop Edie. Um, and they they've been hitting their threes too. So I think you know if they if Purdue can keep the offense humming, this is a game they they should win quite comfortably. Um, but Minnesota's had kind of a penchant to make things annoying for for good teams this year. So um, if they're able to you know make things work offensively and get get just enough stops um, and let kind of let you do his thing without letting Smith Jones and Lawyer get hot, um, they can be competitive in this one.
1: All right. Four games on the docket for Saturday. First, Penn State heads to Nebraska. So Nebraska will be coming off a, a week break at this point. So I expect them to be fresh. Um, we talked at nauseam about how they're um, virtually unbeatable at home and their record would um, prove that given their 15-1 at home this year. Uh, we know Penn State can be a tough out, but I think the bank has just proven to be a really, really hard place to play. I don't really see a reason why Penn state will fare any different than any other team there. I think i be interested to see if Nebraska still continues to go with this like three big lineup that they've been throwing out at teams. But um, you know, even if for some reason that isn't super effective um, for them at getting the offensive glass, they've still got weapons on the perimeter that I think will be more than Penn state will be able to handle um for the second game on Saturday Wisconsin heads to Iowa I think how big of a game this is for Wisconsin depends on how well you know they show against Ohio State at home in their earlier contest this week I think they will get themselves right in that game against Ohio State and probably win um but you know Wisconsin it feels like just played Iowa a, a week or two ago and um, you know, when we talked about that game, we talked about how it's just the ultimate contrast in styles. And I think, um, you know, the same holds for this game. Um, I, I think the only thing that's maybe a little bit different is uh, Wisconsin in their losing streak has proven that they can't hang punch for punch offensively um, with the, you know, the, the pace and just the execution that some of these other teams have, have thrown at them. So, you know, this is a game where if Iowa can, uh, do do their thing. They might be able to, to get a, get away and run and hide. But I just, I have a feeling that given what we know about the makeup of this Wisconsin team, they they're, they're going to find a way to sort of um, shake off this four game losing streak that they've had. And they'll impose their will sort of defensively on Iowa. They'll make this game really, really tough for them. And I, I think we're going to have a, a really, really close game there at Iowa City that reflects the contrasting styles um, where it's going to be Wisconsin that wins the, the turnover battle and um, keeps Iowa from getting out and running. And it's just going to come down to who can make more shots down the stretch. Iowa's been really, really effective in close games at home. Um, and so that may tip the scale in their advantage. They also, despite everything going on with Wisconsin, they need this game more than Wisconsin does. And that might matter, you know, now come, come the end of the season, but we will see. Um, Illinois heads to Maryland in our third game of the day on Saturday. Uh, this has been one that's been historic. It's been a historically difficult place for um, Illinois to win in the Brad Underwood era. But know uh, despite the uh, loss to Michigan State over the weekend, you know they've they've, they've been playing a lot better and more free flowing. Um, I I think it'll be fun to potentially see them try to get out and run on the road here. Um, they have more weapons than, than Maryland has. I think the only um, spot in this game where Maryland has the potential to exploit Illinois is if Julian Reese can get Coleman Hawkins in foul trouble and give you know Maryland a decided advantage with sort of a, a rim-running big guy um, if, if Coleman Hawkins isn't his typically effective self. yeah, I, I think Maryland's going to struggle with just the versatility of Illinois' guards. Um, Deshaun Harris-Smith has, I think, you know, been solid on the defensive end for like a freshman this year. And maybe he has the opportunity to slow down one of those guys. But um, if Maryland has a shot, they're going to need 25 to 30 from Jameer Young. They're going to need Dante Scott to show up and they're going to need Coleman Hawkins to get in foul trouble. A la Julian Reese, if if they want to make this game competitive. Um, And then finally, Michigan State heads to Ann Arbor. Um, in a rematch of a game that took place a couple of weeks ago of these two in-state rivals. Um, reasons this game might go a little bit differently is is because Michigan will have Doug McDaniel and they've been at least playing um, moderately better at home of late compared to on the road, uh, probably because of that. But I, I think the, the, the biggest thing you just have to watch out for here is Michigan State it looks like they're rounding in the form. I know we said that at multiple points throughout the podcast in, in previous times, but with that one over Illinois, it maybe looks like they're for real, but yeah, you I think Michigan coming off the heels of their win against Wisconsin at home when they um, finally did not have a second half collapse, which they've had in multiple occasions, um, you know, <laughs> in nearly really every game um, that they've played sort of since the, the turn of the calendar, aside from their, their blowout loss to Nebraska earlier this week. Um, you know, I, I think this game probably trends a little bit closer just because it's, it's sort of a so-called rivalry game, at least at the beginning. But, you know, it, if Michigan state's on a mission, they're probably going to have enough to pull this, to pull this out. Michigan's really going to need Terrace Reed to continue to play well. we really haven't talked about that. He's, he's really sort of rounded into form the last couple of weeks for the Wolverines and their, Going to need a big game from Doug McDaniel, too. If, if neither of those two things happen, I think Michigan State gets the road win here. And
0: then ending things this week on Sunday, we've got a couple, a few interesting games even. Uh, so Purdue heads to Columbus um, you know, uh, early on Sunday. That will be the national TV tip um, at noon central. Um and again, I it's a game where you know Ohio State has a little bit of size. Um they can throw Akpara and Key and and maybe even Mahaffey at uh at uh Zach Edy. Um and they've got you know a, a relatively potent offense that can definitely um make Purdue pay, especially if Edie is going to just sit uh in the post. But um you know, I d I don't see this Ohio State team kind of getting it together enough to beat Purdue, um, especially, you know, potentially based on how their game against Wisconsin goes. Um, I think Edie has another big game. And I think, you know, with Smith and Lawyer and Jones, um, you know, one of them will be able to kind of to take advantage of their matchup, whether that's against Thornton or Gale or even even battle. Um, You know, Ohio State is not a particularly strong defensive team. And Purdue is going to be able to game plan around those defensive weaknesses, uh, which in in a pretty easy way, I would say. The second game on the docket for Sunday is, uh, Northwestern heading to, uh, Bloomington. Um, you know, the, the, the Hoosiers, we have not talked about much, but, um, you know, uh, they did, they did win one game last week, uh, and then got blown out by Purdue. Uh, and they face a very different challenge in, in the guard dominant offense of Northwestern. Um, so Boo boo is obviously going to be huge in this game. Um I am not sure what the status of Indiana's various injured injured players is, but uh you know it looks like they didn't have uh Xavier Johnson, um, but everyone else was healthy. So I think I think this is a game where if Northwestern's not careful, um they could they if Northwestern's not careful, they could definitely be exposed. Um because Ware and Renew are a formidable post duo. Um, however you know indiana seems allergic to taking threes so um if they kind of keep playing like that and where doesn't absolutely dominate northwestern can definitely steal a road win here uh and then finally we have Rutgers, minnesota both teams kind of need this one very contrasting styles um you know the games at the barn which you know they should get up for this game should be kind of a good good uh atmosphere so um you know jeremiah williams is really going to need to kind of keep Rutgers offense in control um, because if they're not able to score uh, Minnesota can definitely run them off the floor um, you know not that they, I think Rutgers defense will hold serve but Minnesota is definitely able to be effective especially at home and if Rutgers can't score that spells doom for them thank you guys that's it for us this week um, thanks for sticking with us uh, through a slightly longer episode we're excited to get down the backstretch of conference play we'll be with you every step of the way so thanks again and we will see you next week